Amen. Well, first of all, the dictionary describes, by the way, my sticker I wrote in underneath it says, I voted and I put my hope in God. And that's what it's about today. And so in the dictionary, though, hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, wishful thinking or dreaming. But biblical hope is, is much different than that. It's more than wishful thinking. Um, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it's translated hope into trust. But and it's interchangeable with that word, but it's also used as a noun when Jeremiah calls God the hope of Israel. But just like Amelie said that faith is hard to define completely because of the depth of that word, the same goes for hope because they're interrelated. And that's where we're going to start. How do they relate to one another? Well, the difference, according to Martin Luther, says that faith tells us what is to be done, teaches, prescribes, and directs. Hope stirs up the mind that it may be strong, bold, courageous, that it may suffer and endure adversity, waiting for better things. So let me put it this way. This is what God gave me a picture, okay? So let's say that you have a car, that you a brand new car. You've learned how to drive it through your manual. You have a map of where you're going. You have direction, right? So you know how to drive the car. You have knowledge of that. But you get in the car and you realize you have no gas. See, you're not going to get very far, right? Just because you have knowledge. So knowing the direction and knowing where you put your faith, which is what, what that is, your knowledge and the direction you're going is your faith. But hope is the gas that helps you to go and endure. So they work together. But let's say the other thing, you, you turn it around. So let's say you get in the car and you're fully gassed up with hope. You know some people like that, don't you? But they don't have direction. They don't have faith. They don't know how to drive that car, and they don't know which way they're going. They're either going to drive in circles or they're going to crash eventually, right? So that's how they work together. But like a soldier would have equipment and understanding how to use it, but not the will or the strength to fight. That's your hope. So they work together. I disagree with the dictionary. It's not wishful thinking. It's more than that. It's a decision. It's a decision activated and governed by your own will. Hope is, it's not a feeling. It's not something you just have automatically. You have to actually decide. And it's strengthened by knowing God and having faith in him. But it's interesting because your hope and your faith thrive together. They actually work together very well. If you place your hope in him and you have courage to walk, see, hope gives you courage to walk out that faith gives you that gas that you need. Well, each time that you have an experience, it strengthens your faith. But every time your faith is strengthened, you are more hopeful. So they thrive together. It, 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 you build faith muscles, as you say, and you also put more gas in your tank to keep going. So why should we place our hope in God? Well, there's many reasons. But I, I chose four of the most important. One is, first of all, he's in charge. Quite simply, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. It says in uh, Psalm 27 and 28, all the ends of the earth 
shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For the kingdom is God's, and he rules over the nations. So he's in charge, period. Next one. He knows the future. We have such a limited view. We have no clue. He knows all. So we want to, we want to put our hope in someone in God that knows everything and knows the future. And then most importantly, I think this is the most important one, is he loves you. No one's going to love you more than God. He's proven his great love for you on the cross by dying for you. And his willingness to forgive us is because of his great love for us. Um, over and over, Judah and Israel uh, had prophet after prophet. Why did the Lord send those prophets to keep on coming after them to warn them because he loved them quite simply that's why and Romans 5 3 it says hope in God I added in God it says hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts and that's been poured out through his Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus on on top of his love being the reason why we should hope his he is more than enough his love and him are more than enough that's why we should hope in him not only will he go to great lengths to save us but his love will never end with everything taken away from judah jeremiah writes through though the lord's mercies are not consumed because his compassions fail not they never end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion my soul says Therefore, I will hope in him. Everything's been taken away, and he has determined in his heart then at that point. He is enough, completely. Well, how does, how does this work? Well, you know, God has provided a way and a method for our hope. Excuse me while I move this. I'm not going to put it on the floor because Pastor Carol will come after me. She has, she has taught me well. You're not supposed to put the word of God on the floor, not even to stand on the word of God, literally. So God has provided a way and a method for our hope. The way was through Jesus Christ. He is our living hope. It says in First uh, Peter 1, 3 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us, again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible undefiled and that doesn't fade away reserved in heaven for you and then he goes on to say later on through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory see when we look at the empty tomb this means our hope continues there's nothing there because Christ lives forever. He is our hope. He's infinite. We don't have fairy tales or wishful thinking. We have a resurrected Savior. And so because he lives forever, we have eternal life. Our hope never stops. But even more so, a living hope is one that has life in it, so therefore gives us life. It just continues. Because it's everlasting. And we have hope. the hope of Jesus return we have the hope of heaven our living hope brings freedom and death has no sting 
Um, it reminds me of a movie. Anybody seen Shawshank Redemption? Good. Last night they didn't. There was only like two in the room. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'm about to tell you the end of the movie. So, but Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins are friends. They're in prison, if you don't know this movie. They're in prison, and they have this kind of um, ongoing conversation. And Morgan Freeman says that he has learned to manage disappointment by giving up hope. He says, hope is a dangerous thing. It can break your heart. And Tim Robbins' character believes that quitting, to quit hoping is to start dying. So the last scene in the movie is Morgan Freeman gets out of prison and he gets on the beach. I'm telling you the end of the movie. I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. And he gets onto the beach to meet his friend Andy, Tom, Tim Robbins, and he looks at the horizon, that, that, that um, ongoing horizon, and he says, I hope. And that's what we do. We look at that, inf you know, that infinite future, and we just continue to hope. So, but God has also provided a method, not just a way, but a method for our hope, which is the word of God. We anchor our hope in God through the word of God. An anchor is only as secure as what it's fastened to, and our hope through God's word is anchored to God. And so what we have to remember, too, is, is that each scripture is a link. You know, just imagine that link. And it's so strong. Every promise, every oath, every covenant, that's, that's a link that can never break. He never lies. He never goes back on a promise. His word strengthens us and strengthens our faith. The more we know his character and, his, and just knowledge of him, that strengthens our faith. In Hebrews 6, 18 through 19, it says, So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are interchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we, ha we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So unlike a, a boat anchor, though, as we imagine, we're not just stationary. Every, every scripture is helping us also not just stay afloat, but it's helping us to go, stay in course. We're staying on course, on God's course, the path that he had carved out for us. But we're also, that same link is not, help, it's helping us not to drift away from the Lord. So we're staying on course, we're going forward, and we look at the horizon, unaware of what's next. And unlike Morgan Friedman, we know where we're going. We're going to heaven. So we have hope, and we have a confident expectation in that. In Daniel... In chapter 9, did anybody read chapter 9 like Amelie? Um, she gave that homework two weeks ago. How many read it? I'm calling you out. If you didn't read it, that's your homework this week. But in chapter 9, Jeremiah, he's reading Jeremiah's prophecy for Judah. And he cries out to the Lord and says, Oh, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. How did he know this? Not just from experience, but Daniel knew God's word. That's how he knew. He knew this. And he's crying out, saying, your covenant, your promises, the same promises that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. 
He knew them, and he counted on them, and he put his hope in them. In Psalm 119, 114, it says, You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is the source of my hope. It continues. You know, in the last couple months, um, I should say almost a year, actually, I was going through one of those seasons that was difficult and just lots of obstacles. Nothing that you could really, like, I could put my finger on any one thing. There was just a combination of things. And so not only was I growing spiritually and had some spiritual stretch marks, but I was also challenged physically, mentally, emotionally. It was just one of those seasons. And I, I I hadn't lost faith. I have faith in God. I was moving forward, but my hope, that gas, my tank was getting a little empty. And, you know, when you're in that season, too, it's, it's funny because those seasons are to help us to learn a lot about ourselves and to learn more about God. And they also help sift us. God wants to take out those things or help us to work through those things that don't need to be there anymore. And so... You know, Daniel and his friends learned the nearness of God. I should say Daniel's friends learned the nearness of God in the furnace while they were in that trial. So it was one of those seasons. But I, in a defining moment, that just like kind of pivotal point for me, I cried out to the Lord, and I hadn't lost faith. I was just, Lord, and I felt the enemy just kind of pressing in as well. And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? How do do I, I mean, I pray, I fast, I, do I rest in this? What, what, what do I do? do? Just tell me. And the Lord said, just what I've been t- telling you. I've given you the way through Jesus. I've given you the, w- the method through my word. And all you have to do is decide. All you have to do is decide, press in, and have your hope in me. The minute you decide, the minute you say, okay, I decide, the Lord is going to help me. I'm committed to go wherever he leads me. The minute you do that, the enemy loses. Period. End of subject. Because you have decided to follow the Lord. You have decided that whatever he has for you is better, and you trust him. So, and I didn't know this at the time, but he also said after this to me was, and then I also want you to Continue to keep your eyes fixed on what is lovely, what is praiseworthy, because I didn't realize as my hope was being diminished by drama and gossip and political ads. Oh, my gosh. I will be so glad when my mailbox is not filled with those big cardboard things. They're not really good for anything except for sweeping up dirt on the floor. But anyway. And... When I made that, it, ha- it gave me an opportunity to renew my commitment to the Lord. It was a t- you know, just that time to decision to press in and commit fully to him, renew it. And right then and there, he says to me this scripture. 2 Chronicles 16.9a, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So what happens is you decide... You, you're committed to the Lord, and guess what? He fills your tank. He gives you strength. Your hope is not you just trying to be on a hamster wheel, just, you know, running around. Okay, I'm going to have hope. I'm going to have hope. No, he does it. He does it through his Holy Spirit, because Romans 15, 13 says, And now may the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace in believing. 
that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he empowers us. You know, in Daniel, as we've been reading, you know, you don't, you don't see the word hope in, in Daniel. But we know he hoped in, in God. We know because of the way he acted, the way he prayed, the way, the way his actions were. The way he walked into the lion's den. And he committed, he was committed to God's word. He was committed and he was, he had purposed in his heart. He had turned his heart solely on God. And when we commit ourselves to God and hope in him, he gives us what we need in that season. He strengthens us. After Daniel and his friends uh, purposed in their heart not to defile God's word and not to eat of the king's uh, delicacies, it says right after in, in uh, Daniel 117, it says, God gave them knowledge and wisdom, skill, understanding in all dreams and visions. He strengthened them at that point. He gave them what they needed for that season because they c- had committed in their heart. They had purposed that. Warren Wiersbe says, I love the way he defines hope. He says, a confident hope gives us encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. It does not put us in a rocking chair where we are complacent, awaiting the return of Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace, on the battlefield, where we keep on going, where burdens are heavy and the battles are hard, and hope is not a sedative. It is adrenaline. It's a blood transfusion through the blood of Christ. It keeps us going, empowers us by his Holy Spirit. But on top of that, in addition to helping us keep going and keep stepping forward, he also helps us. You know that four-letter word, wait? My, I, that's, that's that word I like very much. He helps us to wait. I would have lost hope had I not been able to wait on the Lord. David writes that many times. It says in uh, 27, 13, and 14, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He gives us that. It says, and he shall strengthen your heart. So he gives us an ability not only to move forward and keep going, but to also wait. I know that speaks to many of us here. As we're waiting with bated breath, who is going to be president? But we don't have. We can be confident. Our hope is not in who is running the country. It's who's running the universe. So why should we not place our hope anywhere else? Well, placing your hope in anything or anyone else other than God will actually diminish your hope. Like I said before. I was looking at political ads and being affected by what's going on around me, and it, it will deplete. It will take, take out of your gas. It will siphon out of there. I read a commentary in regard to Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You remember the dream of the statue, right? So it said, when we look at Daniel's prophecy depicted in a statue, we see the materials go from greater to lesser, from gold to clay. They decrease in value and strength. And if your hope is in this world, then every time it's value, which is going on right now, the value of this world is lessening, as God predicted. Then every time that happens, your hope will be affected. So we place our hope in God. And also, why should we not place our hope anywhere else? Is Placing our hope somewhere else can actually turn into idolatry. What got Israel and Judah in trouble? 
they put their hope in themselves and into other gods. So it will turn into idolatry if you're not careful. It was written in Isaiah 41, 5 through 7. I like the message version of this. And this was written, written to those exiled in Babylon long before they were taken away. Isaiah writes this about that time. He says, far-flung ocean islands see it in panic. People are, from other countries are looking in and they're scared. The ends of the earth are shaken. Fearfully, they huddle together. They try to help each other out, making up stories in the dark. The God makers in the workshops go on into overtime production, crafting new models of no gods, urging one another, good job, great design, pounding in nails at the base so that they, things won't tip over. Does that sound like right now? Does that not sound, I mean, there's some similarities to what was going on then to here. Pastor Rick was just talking about how it, things haven't changed from, you know, we have a lot of similarities to what's going on and making up stories in the dark. I mean, we saw that all through the campaign, didn't we? Putting their faith and their hope in their idols and cheering each other on, pounding nails in the bottom of those idols, saying they're not going to tip over, putting their hope in it. But what we have to remember is right after this, I, uh, when I was reading this and the Lord read, uh, led me to this, he said, but this next preceding scriptures are for you this is about the world this is not about us this is not what we're doing the next part portion of scripture says but as for you Israel my servant that's you and I Jacob my chosen one descended from Abraham my friend I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying you are my servant for I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He is with us. He is for us. We have relationship with him, and he has final say. His victorious hand. He has promised to strengthen us right there. So remember when you put your hope in God, our circumstances do not determine our outcome. Our, our prayers have no expiration on them. I love that. He, he will answer them, not always in our time, many times. Opportunities are not obstacles. And we climb higher, we go faster, we endure longer, because he will strengthen it, that in us as we commit ourselves and determine in our heart that we know that God is our hope. Hoping on, on him helps us to focus on the prize and move forward. It kicks us in the rear when we're in that place or the enemy speaking in our ear or even ourselves. And we say to ourselves, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Hope in the Lord. We have to, the word of God explains that very clearly, that we need to even kick ourselves in the rear and say, what are you doing? But more than that, because we know hoping in God, many of us have gone through trials. Some of you are going through trials right now. And I, one thing I know that hope does is it gets us through the storm. It gets us through cancer. It gets us through the worst of circumstances. Hoping in God enables us to say at the end of whatever it is, if we determine in our heart that we're going to hope in the Lord and see this through and he strengthens us to the very end, we get to hear, but then God, 
but then God did. But then God healed me. But then God provided for me. But then God made this situation turn around. And he turned beauty from ashes. You know, there's so many people out there right now who don't have this hope. They're going through trials. They don't know the Lord. And it's our responsibility. We are called to be ambassadors of hope. What does an ambassador do? They act as a figurehead for their country of origin. Our home is heaven. We are representatives of heaven. And we're called to be light bearers. It says, so are we, Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You know, this time we're in is closely related to Judah's exile. The cultural norms are really opposed to the values, actions, our goals, God's word. It's really opposed. But we have something that the world wants and needs, is desperately seeking. We have hope. We have true. We have true hope. We have a true commodity. It's so it's it's of such worth, and we sometimes forget that, because the world doesn't know what the, how the story ends. They don't know God. We need to help them. You know, when Daniel was about to go into um, the lion's den, it was King Darius that actually spoke to Daniel and said that may your God, whom you serve so faithfully. See, how we react to the furnace and when we go into the lion's den, when we go through trials, people are watching. And that's influencing others. I've heard many times people say, Amelie, she was going through chemo and she shared this story. And people would say, how are you continuing to work all the way through this? How did you get through this? It was an opportunity for her to share because they're watching us. This week marks a very pivotal point in our, in our nation's history. Both avenues don't look very good. My parents are in um, St. Lucia right now, and all the foreigners that find out that they're from America look at them and say, couldn't you pick a better candidate? I mean, you got a loud mouth and a crook. And we're just, you know, either way doesn't look very good, right? So now more than ever, our hope is in God. And again, we look at the story of Daniel, and we see how it's possible to overcome. And when we place our hope in God, we know he, had good, he has good plans. But one thing that the Lord reminded me as I was preparing for this study is he said, my ways are not your ways. And he does things with the most unlikely people, places, circumstances. I mean, as I was sitting there thinking about it and meditating on it, he said, I saved, you, saved Gideon with 300 men versus 135,000 Midianites, right? 300 men against those. And he did it. The only determination he made between those two, the 300 men and the others that he said, no, they can't fight, was they drank water differently. That was the only way. And they won with torches and trumpets. God doesn't do things the way we do them. He picked a, a Pharisee, uh, Saul, and he delivers him through blindness and then delivers many through him. He you know, running around in a circle in Jericho and shouting. I've done that many times. It doesn't make walls fall, 
in the natural, but they did it in the supernatural, really. And, you know, he saved the world through a baby. I mean, we got to look at that. He didn't do the, the disciples, even as Jesus was older and he's walking with the disciples, they were saying, he's going to overthrow the government. He's going to take it. You know, he's going to, and he was going to overthrow the government, but, but not by what he thought. He was going to do it through death, through the cross. So God doesn't do things the way we think he should. He does, and he likes to do it that way. I really, truly believe that is his um, pleasure. Not to make us crazy. He really doesn't. He just wants us to know, I can do it any way I want. He says, and, and Daniel says, he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises them up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding and reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. He saved uh, Daniel and his friends through King Cyrus, an ungodly man. In the word of God, it says, um, you know, we, we quote the scripture that says, and he made all the crooked places straight. That word was for King Cyrus, an ungodly man. He can do it through anyone he wants. And my Bible says that of all the kings of Judah and Israel, King Cyrus did more for those people than they did. As I was reading through the prophets, um, I like to study quite a bit, and so I, I get a little obsessive sometimes. I read all the prophet, prophet, you know, all the prophets for during that time. And I was reading these, and I'm like, this is not making me very hopeful, you know. But what I determined, and I was sitting there, and I had very, a lot of peace about this. And, you know, our prophecy conference is coming up on Saturday, right? And we're going to go through Revelation and all these pro prophecies about end times. And what we have to determine in our heart is what gives us confidence is not what's knowing what's around the corner. We should know it, but that's not what gives us hope and confidence. It's knowing God. It's having hope in him. Because those don't matter at all. You could read them. If you don't know God, those are going to scare you. They're going to confuse you. But knowing God is going to make the difference. You know, uh, uh, Jeremiah wrote, you know, the famous scripture, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Those were, that was written for D Daniel and his friends to keep him, them going. We have to remember that God's, oh, we are always on his mind. He said, I know the thoughts I have for you. We go through temporary discomfort so that we can have eternal glory. That's what God does. And he has given us that way and that method, and we can trust that things aren't going to turn out the way we think they are because God likes to mix it up and do things differently. We can trust that in that, and just in what he's done before. And for us right now, we have, if you have faith in God and hope in him, and you determine in your heart that you're committed to whatever this is, however we're going to write it out, knowing that God thinks about you and he loves you, he's in charge, we can get to the end of this story. And no matter who's president tomorrow, which we don't even know, if we're going to have a final resort, I'm predicting that it'll take two weeks to get it through the muck, you know. But 
That's not a prophetic word. That's just Gia's thought. But I will say is that we can get to the end of this and we can say, but then God. But then God. Ladies, thank you. Let's pray. Father, we know that you are sovereign. We know, Lord God, that we can trust in you. We know by your word and your and the what just in your way, Lord God, that you have saved us already, Lord God. We are not death has no sting. We know that we can trust in you, Father God, and we know that, Lord, you raise up kings, you raise up nations, Lord God. And, Lord, our job, we just pray, Father God, right now that you strengthen our hope, strengthen our abilities, Lord God, to not only pray for this nation, Father God, but also to be ambassadors of hope, Lord God. I just pray over these ladies right now, Lord, and I thank you, Father, and just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Your prayer focus is ask God to help you renew and strengthen your hope in him alone.